Hi there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for Coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or 10 minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career triple shot K-Cup with my guest, Teresa Vandermeer. Related to the fact that you graduated during the last Great Recession, you graduated sure. in May of 2008. Yeah. I have to imagine, Teresa, that you feel a tremendous amount of empathy yeah. with the class of 2020 and yeah. the class of 2021 who will be graduating Absolutely. this spring. We're doing this Absolutely. interview now in the middle of January of 21. Absolutely. What advice? do you have for these young students who sure. have either already graduated or about to graduate into a terrible economy with the coronavirus still around? Sure. You know, I really do have a lot of empathy and compassion. And, and I, remember, I remember being turned down for a retail job after I had graduated and just feeling like, wow, I can't even get a job at a, at a store, yet even though I have this four-year degree. But as I just shared, I just, I needed a different path and there was a different path. And so what I would say, you know, I know it can be hard to just like wake up every day and say, okay, I'm, you know, I'm looking for a solution. I'm looking for a job. I want to work in this space. And to feel that like rejection or to feel like I don't know how I'm ever going to get to the place where I really want to be. And what I would say to that is like, you know, maybe you can't keep your energy up every single day, but try to look at the context. Things will not be like this forever. They probably won't even be like this for one more year. There is going to be an opportunity for you. And so to keep your eyes and your, just to keep your attention pointed outward, to keep conversations happening, to keep up those efforts, you know, eventually something will work out and just, just assume that it's not going to work out right now. Assume that it's going to take six months. Give yourself a timeline that's not like, you know, like this has to be resolved. I have to know what I'm doing in the next month. Sometimes we just can't do that. And I come across that even as an entrepreneur where I'm like, I really want to know like, what will my numbers be next month? I don't know what my numbers are going to be next month. I have no idea what's going to happen, right? Like there are, there are all these things that we can't control. So the only thing that we can control is ourselves and just, and just, keeping an, an outward look and a, and a motivation, knowing that the opportunity will arrive at some point. A hundred percent. I agree. Now, I actually have your resume right here and I, I usually <laughs> mark them up. Oh my gosh. To, you know, it's it's fun to look at. If you know, and, I have to send mine, but you know, I don't need to send it to her. Really. So, yeah. Well, I see that you got an internship in January of 2009. You graduated in May and there's like a gap. And that may be the gap when you were 
when you were working at the temp agency, mm-hmm. but you worked for four months at Amnesty International. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that was your first professional experience after you graduated or was there something else? Yeah, I would say that was it. So after I graduated, I went to India and I had this whole big scheme. I was going to take a pony caravan with this women weavers cooperative to Tibet and like work and like, like get footage of them getting this like raw cashmere from these goats that they were herding. I just had this like big scheme. And when I got to India, it it fell apart. And so I needed to do something. Amnesty International had an office in Delhi. And so I was able to use my writing skills to edit their edit their magazine. And and you know, actually that experience at Amnesty International, I mean, it was it was like interesting to go to protests and you know, and like actually like be in the streets protesting for women's rights and the police would come and all this stuff. Like that was that was interesting. But from a day-to-day perspective, I just felt like, you know what, I don't really feel I, I'm like not excited to go edit, edit this magazine. And so that was a, a sort of thing in the keep doing your own stuff. You like go and source these artisans and sell it. And like, and that eventually led to work shelter. But yes, that time at Amnesty International was the, that the first like post-college opportunity. Got it. And when you say it was like a thing, it was that like your, your gut that was telling you this is not the right path to keep pursuing in terms of the type of do-gooder work that I want to be doing. I want to get my hands dirty. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I, I maybe, maybe I'm short-sighted, but I just, I didn't believe that I was really making a significant impact with the, the editing that I was doing. And I'm not saying that that work's not important. I believe, I believe that it does contribute, but for me, I knew that I wanted to really see with my own eyes. I didn't want to just say like, oh, we're putting this thing out into the world. Hopefully people read it. You know, I really wanted to be more direct. Like these women need something. I'm going to see if I can get it to them. Okay, we're going to grow that and grow that and grow that. I love it. And in fact, I just posted this week on LinkedIn about how I think that we find what is the right fit for us in terms of our careers is less of like a chef following a set recipe. And it's more like mad scientist in the laboratory, right? Like throwing in different things, poof, let's see if that works, right? It's like you're working on a formula. That totally resonates. And you don't know how things are going to taste always, right? Like, and just to share like a small moment of vulnerability, some of those early jobs I had, I would wake up and cry every day. I would wake up and cry. I had a hard boss. I didn't want to be working in the pharmaceutical industry. You know, I didn't believe I was, I believe there were ways that I could help people and I wasn't doing it. And I really felt like a deep moral contradiction. But now when I think back to all those times, I think about what I took with me. I learned how to follow project management plans. I learned about timelines. I learned actually on somebody else's dime. I had to show up. I had to do the work, but but I got paid to do that. And so, you know, work shelter, what I do at work shelter, you know, all these skills, sure, I developed some as I was going along actually building this business. But a lot of them I brought with me from those jobs that I had that, you know, I woke up and cried for about because I didn't, didn't want to go to in the morning. So, oh my gosh. You know, it's thank, okay. you, 
thank you so much for sharing that. I'm giving you a big virtual hug. Thank you. And I get it. I totally get it. So a year after your amnesty internship ended, and almost two years after you graduated, you get a couple of jobs. The first one is at Champion Learning Center, where you were a tutor for underserved students from failing school districts. Sure. And you were teaching kids geometry, algebra, and other subjects. And the second job is at Fusion Medical Communications, the one where you got that temp position. Yeah. And you were hired then full-time as an associate account executive. And that's where you supported pharmaceutical marketing efforts by creating slide decks. You created sales agent toolkits and direct mailings, among other things. I get it. I get it. Like it was paying the bills, but you were also learning skills. You stayed there for five months at Fusion. And from there, you moved to translations.com. I'm sharing this. I'm kind of breaking it down for our listeners because I think it's really helpful for them to hear how it isn't always a straight line getting to where you want to go, even though you knew in your mind what you wanted to do. Practically, you had to pay the bills. Absolutely. So you were doing what you had to do. And from there, as I said, you went to translations.com. You stayed there for a year. You joined as an account coordinator. You managed almost $2 million. It was a year book of business, $2 million a year book of business, yeah. and ranked among the top three revenue earners. And yeah. your next job was at Google, where you worked as an account manager. And there sure. you also managed almost $2 million, but that was for $2 million a quarter book of business with clients that included Best Buy, Target, and Walgreens. What were you doing in that job at Google? And you stayed there for seven months and you moved to Mojiva. Is that how you Mojiva. it? Mojiva, sure. Yeah. Okay. So what yeah. were you actually doing at Google and what skills were you learning there? Yeah. So. What's crazy about my position at Google is I didn't even apply. I Okay, this is wild. I had a resume on monster.com. Monster.com. And I don't even know if monster.com is a thing anymore. But it is. Someone, oh, it is. Okay, gotcha. So people are still using it. Yeah. So someone saw my, re- a recruiter saw my resume and, said, and gave me a ring and said, I have this position. I said, great, I'd love to interview for it. You know? And so at Google... I got to tell you why I got hired at Google. I mean, I had some experience. And so at translations.com, I learned a little bit about technology, but I didn't know anything about ads. And so when I was interviewing at Google, I didn't know that they had actually already decided to hire someone else for the position. And what happened was I was, I had like, I had studied. There was all this terminology, like the GDN and this, and I was like, I had gone deep dive for days before my interview into what they actually do. And so when I went into the interview, I was, of course, prepared. But I felt later that they decided to add headcount. Like they took headcount away from the West Coast office and added it to the New York office, which is where I was living at the time, because of my quote-unquote enthusiasm. And so it was 100%, not 100%, but it was like 
over the top, the soft skills of going in, being energized, being excited to be there, being positive, not knowing anything, but showing that I'd done some homework. They decided to move headcount for me. So that, and, and my boss loved that about me. And so when I came on board, she really, you know, she, she wasn't there from a day-to-day perspective to teach me all the ins and outs of things. I got some initial training, but I was like a low person on the totem pole with just how did the ad campaign work? How many people clicked on the ads, put a picture of the ad into a PowerPoint deck, send it to the ad agencies who are Google's clients. You know, they are purchasing advertising content from advertising space from Google. And so, you know, I would like for Walgreens, they wanted to get people to download their app. And so I was responsible to just see, okay, we have these little ads that come up when you're reading, you know, reading reading the news on your phone or playing a game on your phone. There's these little ads that come up. And Walgreens would say, you know, their ads would say, click here to download our app. And so my job was just to make sure that the budget was spent properly, that the campaign was as successful as possible, and that the client really felt like their money was well spent. So yeah, that's that's what I did there. I love that example, Teresa, because what you said there about how the job was filled by the time you went in for the interview. But your passion and enthusiasm is what sold them on you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm guessing the fact that you did your homework. Absolutely. That is such a big takeaway that I hope our young listeners and viewers bring with them into their future job interviews. Let's fast forward because from Mojiva, where you worked as a team lead and account manager, yeah. You actually then moved to the job in India. Is that yeah. right? The Associate Director of Offshore Operations Strategy at Viveka? Am I pronouncing that correctly? At Viviki. At Viviki. So Viviki is an, an agency that's owned by Publicis. And Mojiva actually went out of business. So I had made this jump from, from Google to Mojiva for a significant raise. And so that to me was really important at that time. You know, there were a lot of, you know, a lot of perks of being at Google, but I had student loans to pay. And so I thought that, okay, if I'm into this up, I have the opportunity to not just make more money, but also have a little piece of equity. And if Mojiva gets acquired, I could end up making, you know, making more money. And it's like, if that's what I'm, if I'm here to pay my bills, that's what I need to be doing. If I'm going to be doing a passion project, it doesn't, doesn't matter as much. So when Mojiva went, under, I had the opportunity. I had a job offer on my way home from leaving Mojiva when we found out that it was going under. And it was at that time where I, I reconsidered. I could keep going. And in fact, I was going to get yet another raise. I could keep going down this account management advertising track, but I don't want to. This is not my passion. And this doesn't actually help me achieve my goals to to push my career further into strategy. It's just like, I don't want to just be an ad expert. I actually didn't like working and, and I didn't, I didn't care about the ads. I didn't feel like it was making the world a better, a better place. And so it was at that moment that I took a pause. And so I was applying for business school, but at the same time I was looking for additional work opportunities. 
And I ended up being the only person that was interviewed for this offshore director role. Because the combination of having spent a bunch of time in India and also been specifically in the nitty gritty of running the ads myself, that was an experience that not a lot of people had. And also the willingness to go to India was a huge contribution to that too, because they needed somebody who was going to go to India and work with the team once a quarter. And a lot of people don't, you know, don't want to go and sort of like disrupt the comfort and normalcy of their their lives from a, from a day-to-day perspective. But that's really how that next bridge happened. I took a moment to say, you know what, I have to pause. And it's a luxury I need to take right now, but it's not a luxury because I know if I keep going down this track, I feel like I'm on like a treadmill of doing work that is not really, it's paying the bills, but it's not furthering my career goals. So in the early days, I just had to pay the bills. And then after that, I needed to start making strategic decisions about how to better achieve my life goals. And that job, as mentioned, became the bridge to running Work Shelter full-time. Love that. In the Espresso Shots interview, and our listeners should check out show notes to see if Teresa's Espresso Shots episode has already dropped. Just check out show notes for this episode to see if it has. She mentioned that she, as she said, was applying to business school. And then the Viviki opportunity came about and she was like, well, hold on a second. I can go to India, which is really what I want to do, even if it isn't exactly the job function that I want to do. And you had already started work shelter. So you were like, then on my weekends, I can work on my side hustle. Exactly. Exactly. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.